like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres. Keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Michael Staub on the line. He's the flight systems engineer over at the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So I'm excited to get more into what you're doing uh, over at NASA and what you can share with us. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll be up front. First time I'm, I'm interviewing someone that's worked in the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, so really cool stuff there. I'm, I'm excited to pick your brain and, and see exactly what you're doing. Um, but before we do that, let's get into your background a little bit more. Um, so, you know, how did you get started in your career? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I have uh, my background is in aerospace engineering, so I'm a formerly trained rocket scientist who works for NASA and actually built spacecraft. Um, I have a bachelor's degree from Wichita State, a master's degree uh, from Georgia Tech. I'm uh, still a PhD student at the University of Southern California um, working on my dissertation um, in the astronautics engineering program. So a lot of school, um, kind of what it takes to kind of actually build spacecraft and fly to other planets. Um, but I kind of got started in my you know, this area um, way back uh, when I was uh, about uh, eight years old, um, I got to watch the uh, Mars Pathfinder landing. So uh, for those who have seen The Martian, um, that was the spacecraft that Mark Watney went to go rescue so that he could talk with Earth and hack his his uh, his rover so that he could actually talk to Earth. Um, that was the, the spacecraft mission that I watched. And that was really my first exposure to uh, interplanetary spaceflight and things like that. And, you know, they have the the live stream up on, on CNN back then and uh, watched that and just fell in love with it. thought that was the coolest thing I ever wanted to, wanted to build Mars missions for the rest of my life. Um, fast forward one year later, and um, I'm at school. We're sitting in the library, and we're watching the flight of John Glenn when he returned to space. And, of course, I didn't know who the hell John Glenn was. Um, but afterwards, went home and did some more researching and figured out that, you know, this kind of is a is a legend in the in the space business and, and definitely a legend among the astronaut course. So um, with those those kind of two events, I I learned that hey, I want to build Mars missions or interplanetary spacecraft as my career, and I want to try and be an astronaut someday. So with all that in mind, uh, growing up went to went to space camp, got involved in all the nerdy stuff. I built rockets. I was on robotics teams, all that stuff. Like I said, formerly trained aerospace engineer and rocket scientist, and um, now what I do at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, I've had kind of many different roles. I've been a flight controller. Um, I've been a, a flight director for a Mars mission, um, and now I actually do flight systems development. I actually build the spacecraft before we uh, we send them off into the, the great beyond to wherever locations they're going, whether that's uh, around Earth or to Mars or to Saturn or interstellar space. Wow, that's absolutely amazing, and uh, I love that your your inspiration really at eight years old, or you said nine after that, you know, a year later. Wow, that's that's pretty pretty remarkable. And I guess it takes that kind of um, you know inspiration early on because you have to. I mean, a lot of years of schooling, like you said, um, lots of um, uh, you know pretty um, defined path 
possibly, and I guess that'll be my my follow-up question is if somebody's listening to this and, you know, and and they're thinking about what a career in space in general would look like, um, what kind of advice would you give them? And the only reason I say that is because, you know, California has been, you know, a hotbed, you know, SpaceX and all these other things that are just happening. I feel like space is just becoming a more, I shouldn't use the word trend because that's not the right word, but it's just becoming a more viable option to build a career in space um, uh, on, on some level. So what would you say about that? It, it definitely feels like we're in a, you know, kind of a second space race, sort of a, mm-hmm. sort of a renaissance space age again, because, you know, it's, it definitely is in, in sort of people's minds that, you know, we're with SpaceX, they're, they're launching and recovering rockets. And 50 years ago, that was, that wasn't even something anyone even considered you could do. Um, mm-hmm. With it, with, with JPL, I mean, we're, we're, um, you know, we're building a, a brand new Mars rover. Um, it's going to launch wow. in under a year now. Um, and it's going to go look for for life. It's actually a light detection mission. Um, and follow on to that mission is we're building uh, a concept called Mars Sample Return. So one of the big missions that a lot of a lot of folks here at the lab are going to be moving towards next is how do we actually get samples that that rover is going to to cache on the surface? How do we get them back to Earth? So that's going to be one of our next big challenges. Um, I'd say at least for from JPL's perspective, our our push really is looking for life, looking for either ancient life or extant life, so life that currently is is churning out at uh, some of these icy moons in the outer solar system. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my career for the next 30, 35 years is going to be working on the missions that try to answer those big questions. Did Mars in its ancient past once have life on it? Do some of these icy moons like Europa or Enceladus, do they possibly have life that is is churning right now can we detect that those are the big questions we're trying to answer so for for our purposes um the big the big questions are did life once form in the solar system outside of earth or is it still there and how do we find it wow that's exciting (laughs) that's just that just blows my mind um and what what a project and what a mission um kind of like going forward um, like and, and to know that next 35 years or 30 whatever years of what you'll be doing, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I, just to have you comment on if I could. So you've piloted a spacecraft around Saturn, um, done some yep. things also with the Mars rover. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, sure. So um, I got hired um, right out of Georgia Tech um, to be a what, what we call out here at JPL an ACE, or that's just another name for a flight controller. Um, those are the actual folks that sit in the control center and send the commands to the spacecraft. They're the only individuals on the team who are allowed to electronically touch the spacecraft. So when I talk about flying the spacecraft, I actually flew the spacecraft because I was the only one who actually sent the commands to tell the spacecraft to do a maneuver, to point towards a different object, to talk with Earth. Wow, that's exciting. And that was, and that was, my, that was my first job right out of school. I was handed the keys to a three and a half billion dollar spacecraft and told Let's um, let the kid drive it. Let's let the kid drive it. Not not you know, here are the keys, not a scratch. I love this. This is the best story. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. And um and what, what and tell me a little bit more about the uh what was it, the Mars rover? Yeah, so um I was um after uh Cassini's mission ended, um we intentionally um, re-entered the atmosphere, re-entered the spacecraft into Saturn's atmosphere to 
prevent it from impacting some of these moons we think might have life on it. So part of our planetary protection was we had to get rid of it. So Cassini mission ends and I transition over to the Mars Exploration Rover Opportunity, which is, uh, was, <laughs> was now past tense, um, was a solar powered rover on Mars that had been going at the time I showed up for 13 years. Um, originally only a 90 day design mission because back in the early 2000s when we sent this mission, we thought after 90 or so days, there's going to be so much dust on the panels that the vehicle's just not going to be able to charge its batteries up. It's going to die. Mm. Well, opportunity um, completely changed what we thought about how Mars atmosphere works, and the mission was still going 13 years later. So I got, um, mm. I transitioned over and I became a systems engineer, which was responsible for sort of all of the, the systems related work with the spacecraft, um, and then as a flight director. So the flight director, rather than being an ace, uh, the flight director is responsible for the entire uplink and communications process with the with the spacecraft. So when the spacecraft is talking to us when we're sending commands, you can sort of think of it like aging crayons of of Mars missions. So the same kind of mentality except for a robotic mission rather than human spaceflight. Wow. Um any type of uh trends in general in space that you care to comment on that you think are interesting right now that are going on? Well for for NASA's purposes, I mean, we, we were saying that we're going back to Earth in, or not to Earth, to the moon in 2024. Um, that kind of remains to be seen, but it, it seems like there's more of a push, especially with the way that the commercial um, industry, SpaceX, Blue Origin, mm -hmm. folks like that, um, Bigelow Earth Space, who can make these inflatable space station habitats, there definitely is, is we're heading into a trend where the commercial industry is able to do a lot of that sort of grunt work that NASA mm -hmm. doesn't have to do anymore. So I think probably what we're going to be seeing is a lot of these these uh, NASA-type missions, these high-risk, high-reward missions, um, are probably going to leverage a lot of commercial industry and, and commercial experience, particularly because SpaceX can build a rocket a lot cheaper than, than NASA can, and they can build it a lot quicker. Um, mm. So we can we can you know we can sort of leverage those kind of capabilities and those um, what the industry is able to do that we can't do as quickly to be able to get us to go on these these missions like to send create a permanent human presence at the moon, which then enables folks like me at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory to do the really high risk robotic missions that go out to Uranus or Neptune or do our sample return. These things are really high risk, high rewards. So. You know, we can take a little bit of our budget away from having mm -hmm. to do things that we know how to do. We know how to do Earth orbit operations. We know how to do space station operations. We know how to build rockets and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Industry is now finally caught up where they actually know how to do it as well as we can. So we don't really need to be spending as much as our budget doing those things because we know how to do them. Oh, that's awesome. That makes so much sense, and it's so um... – it's just, uh, in my mind, just a, a business model. If you look at the ecosystem of the in, entire, let's say, the space business system and eco or ecosystem, it just makes sense that there's going to be more innovation that comes from that, and it's going to just uh, progress things faster, which is exciting to me. Um, and really, uh, cool. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's kind of where that's kind of one of NASA's goals is we develop the technology that is sort of high risk, something that industry can't really from a business perspective, justify, we get the technology up to a point that we understand how it works, and then we transfer that technology to industry, and then industry takes it and makes it better, and then they can actually use it for, for products. Um, I think I, I saw on average um, for 
the 20 or so billion dollars NASA receives every year in funding, we put back somewhere close to a hundred to two hundred billion dollars goes back into industry from technology development from just the missions that we're working on. Wow, it's a ridiculous. It's a it's a ridiculous <laughs> return on investment. I think it's like I, I think I've seen it high as a hundred to one. So for every dollar that's invested in NASA, they we return a hundred dollars back into wow. the economy. It's it's a ridiculous number. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Um, well, great stuff, Michael. Hey, I really appreciate you um, taking time out today to come on the podcast and tell us more about what you're doing and what's going on over at NASA. Um, if somebody wants more information, what, what's the best way for them to get it? Um, yeah, they can, um, you know, we we pretty much put everything that we're doing up, nasa.gov, any missions we're doing for JPL, at jpl.nasa.gov. Um, if anyone needs to reach out to me with, with a question, they can reach me on LinkedIn or my uh, my email at JPL. It's michael.stob at jpl.nasa.gov. Um, I'm usually pretty good about answering stuff, but uh, when we're kind of in the middle of development projects, which everybody is, you know, can be a little mm -hmm. delayed, but those are usually the best ways to get hold of me. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, Michael, again, really appreciate you coming on the show today and uh, sharing some of your background and what's going on. Uh, to the listeners, as always, I hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, Michael, thank you again for coming on.